Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey, and we are going to discuss the first three stages of the Giordana. I am joined by Hilda Price. Hello. Hello. Calling in from Denmark for no particular reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're covering some other race that's going on that we don't care about. (laughs) (laughs) Amy Lauren Jones. Hi. Not at the Giro. Never went to the Giro. Yeah, unfortunately, COVID-ridden, but bound to happen eventually, feels like. Well, I was built different, but everyone Mm. who says that, it gets you, hey. Eventually. And Lauren Rowney. Good morning, everyone. Amy, is this the first time you've had COVID? Uh, Well, I'm also about to sound like the biggest cliche ever, so I think I had it in January 2020, like, I'm pretty sure. Had, like, all the classic symptoms, like, lost my sense of taste and smell, was, like, disgustingly ill for 10 days. And but yeah, apart from that, first time I've like seen then two red lines on a lateral flow. It was a bloody shock. The day I was meant to be leaving for the Giro, and the weather looked gorgeous. Oh <laughs> man, I was looking at the beach and I was like, oh, I saw um, uh, someone from Girona. I think who does EFM education social media. Cat Catherine. Catherine, and she yeah. was like, once the day was done, she was chilling on the beach. Um, and then All right, well, I'm else? going back to bed now. So <laughs> you can just get Sam to take you there on holiday at the end of the season. I did say that. I was like, oh well, now I just need to go there on a holiday, don't I? Instead, yeah. which would be better. So it yeah, it did look really nice. I feel like you just take your laptop, go sit like at a cafe on the beach, drink an Aperol spritz. Well, instead, I can't taste or smell anything. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about the Giro. We have like a ton of rider diaries for everybody. We also have Gracie Elvin calling in from the Tour de France. She won't be with us for the next four weeks, but she is going to send in some diaries of her own. So we get to hear her voice because I don't know about everybody listening, but I definitely miss her hot takes on the podcast. So get a little bit of Gracie, but let's start with the well. Okay, this is really funny, <laughs> but everyone seems like quite confused whether the first stage was stage one or a prologue. The, the website, the race website calls it stage one. Yeah, yeah. This is like, I was going to do, you know, on Twitter, everyone does like the the one thing and then the other thing and then the handshake and then the, the, <laughs> it's going to be like Giordana, Tour de France, stage one, prologue or time trial, <laughs> handshake. Was that the question in the tour as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it definitely wasn't in the tour because it's too long. At least it was. It short is too in the long Giro. in the tour. Yeah, but they kept calling it the prologue on the coverage yesterday, and I was like, no, no, that was definitely. And um, because Lotto, Lotto Belgium tour, that was a prologue, wasn't it? The first stage mm-hmm. of that. Yep, they yeah. call it a prologue and then stage one, then yeah. stage two. Mm-hmm. Which I think, if you've only got three stages, that is a bit confusing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if it's a five, the the winner, Kristen Faulkner, did it in five minutes, 46 seconds. That seems like a prologue to me. Mm. But yeah, but stage one, according to the race website, prologue, according to like GCN and a website of results that shall remain nameless. And <laughs> it's pretty funny. What are we saying then? We need to, what's the style guide for freewheeling on this? I mean, I feel we have like to we decide have- a distance, and if it's under that, it's a prologue, and if it's above it, it's a time trial. So, what's the distance? 5K. 5K. <laughs> and it's a Done. prologue. 
all right, I'll be emailing the race promoters. Excuse me, just so you know, you had a prologue. So we need to tack on one more stage at one point. And if you want to have 10 stages, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but the prologue was a windy one. It what the the first riders to go off got lucky and they got a little bit less wind, but it seemed like as the day went on, it got windier and windier. Kristen Faulkner took the win five minutes, 46 seconds with Georgia Baker, her teammate coming in four seconds later, 0.4 seconds later, 0.04 seconds later, 0.4 seconds later. Sorry. Numbers are hard. Aliza Balsamo was third and Lotta Kopecky fourth. It was, yeah, a race, a bike race. It <laughs> happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, prologues are—they're a hard one to talk about. I mean, I don't know. W- would you have picked Christian Faulkner to win that prologue? I guess that's the question. When you have a bunch of trackies there, um, tracky roadies, uh, that's like very close, sort of to the TP. The amount of time, yeah, the TP. So you would expect that they they would perform over that shorter distance. So it was unsurprising for me to see Georgia Bake up there, based on also her performance at. Um, Tour of Swiss, even though that was an actual time trial, she's obviously on form. And if you saw that photo of her in the aero position, you can just see that she comes from that track background. Um, and yeah, Elisa Balsamo, she's also got the track background, so does a lot of Kopecky. And we knew Faulkner was, was on form, but um, over such a short time trial, yeah, I don't know if I would have picked her for the win, but yeah. I I definitely wouldn't have. And I feel like USA cycling will come calling before the next Olympics to try to get her in the team pursuit because it is such a specific effort that short of an effort and like short flat, uh, there was one turn, two turns. It was pretty straightforward. So I feel like for that kind of effort, I was surprised that it wasn't. Yeah. Like I wasn't surprised by, you know, Loda Kopecky and Elisa Balsamo being third and fourth. I was surprised to see like, the rest of the top 10, we've got Elisa Longaborghini in fifth, Anamique in sixth, um, Lucinda Brand seventh, which is unsurprising as a cr- cyclocross rider. Those short efforts are super important for that. And like Leia Thomas in ninth, really excited to see that coming back from injury. But yeah, I, I was surprised that there wasn't more of a track presence in the top 10, honestly, especially mm. with all these track riders that are coming over to the road in the year after the Olympics. I guess what what more is there to say about a prologue? So Elisa, um, Elisa, Bo- oh my god, I was like <laughs> going to cross Balsamo and Elisa Longo Borghini together into one word. Um, I guess we can go into actually these these amazing leadouts she's doing that sustained power she's managing to do for that. The, she's the last leadout woman at the moment at the Giro, so actually unsurprising that she was really up there in a prologue. Normally you'd see her hovering probably just below the top 10. Um, And again, it's an interesting feel because we're also missing a few people that have decided to sit out for the Mm -hmm. Tour de France. Before we go into, I definitely want to talk about Elisa in the lead outs because it's been really impressive. But before we dive into that, I think we can, we can hear, well, we have two prologue related things before we go into the stages one and two slash two and three. One of them being Ellen Van Dyke's tweet and the uh, conversation of time trials and the other one being the the Rider Diaries. I feel like we can first talk about Ellen Van Dyke's tweet. So Ellen tweeted 
after the race or during the race. Um, this year's Women's World Tour is desperately short of time trials, one of the major and most loved disciplines of the sport. The prologue, I feel like if Ellen thinks it's a prologue, it's a prologue, of the Giordana today is the only individual time trial of 2022. Um, ever since I started cycling, the ITT has stolen my heart, blah, 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 blah. And then signed by Joss Loudon, Marlon Rusa, Lisa Brenauer, Anamik Van Vluten, and Ellen. So the some pretty big names in that in that coming together to advocate for more time trials. But it's true. We have like no time trials this year. There's nothing. This is, this is not a time trial and it's the only time trial. So what do we think? What do we think about, about time trials? I think we we actually had this conversation, correct me if I'm wrong from memory, a few weeks ago, we're saying there is definitely this lack of time trials and the Tour de Suisse was basically the only big opportunity to go and test yourself out in a decent distance. Um, and I'm trying to think, has there been a time trial before that this year in another tour? Oh, the aging tour had a yep. time trial or uh, the ener- what, whatever yeah, the sex toys. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cause there was like vans reversing our driveways on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as Turrigan, far as world tour races. Yeah, I mean, world tour, no. Turrigan used to have a really good time trial as well. So time trialers used to like to show up to that because it was always a good opportunity. But, yeah, for, for them, these people that this is their discipline or riders who want to try and work on their time trialing, there's just not really any opportunity within the world tour. And, and even non-world tour races, there's not that many time trials. I'm not counting prologues here because... Yeah, a prologue is under five kilometers, which is fun, but it's not like doing a a 20-something kilometer time trial. And if we look at the distance of the world's time trial this year, which is the same distance as the men's, I believe, it's 30-something kilometers, close to 40 almost. Um, How are these riders going to simulate that other than in a training situation? Yeah, it's hard to like practice and stack yourself up against your competitors mm-hmm. if you can't do it. And I think it's a really we talked about it a little bit on our WhatsApp and the conversation of equipment was brought up because there is this discrepancy in the women's uh pelotons about, you know, good equipment. Of course, Ellen Van Dyke is stoked to do time trials with a sponsor like Trek and Bontrager. She's got the best equipment in the business, but there's other teams and other riders that obviously don't have that uh, that luxury. So when it comes to time trials in stage races, it's it's interesting because it can make quite a big difference in the general classification and it comes down to equipment. But I would argue that unfortunately, having the right equipment is part of the sport. So in my opinion, I think that we should have more time trials. And if your equipment is lacking, then that's that's on the team. And that's kind of on you to kind of get that because it, it's part of it. It's part of it's part of cycling is having the best equipment or having as good equipment as you can possibly get. Unfortunately, in women's cycling, it's obviously a little bit harder because of the lack of money. But we're in this we're in this place now where women's cycling is not you know, scrounging around for cash. And there's many, many teams now that have the funds to be able to support time trial specialists. And I think it, I I agree. I agree with, uh, with Ellen and, 
and the rest of the writers on this tweet thread <clears throat> that there should be more time trials. And to be clear, we're talking about the world tour here, and this is something we've spoken about at length, is that we would assume if you are of a world tour status, the world tour team, you should have the capital behind you to afford to, to supply, you know, your riders with time trial bikes and that that's just part of being a world tour team because we're not talking about non-world tour races. That's not what her tweet was about. But, you know, with all these world tour teams um, that are fighting for these licenses, it's sh- it shouldn't be a question of do you have the right equipment or not. I guess it's it's kind of a vicious circle though, isn't it, where there's, there's not many time trials, so a lot of people don't spend time practicing for that or on their bike. Um, and then people are even less kind of competent and confident on those bikes and in those in those disciplines. So then people don't necessarily want more. And I think you're right, Abby, that if we put a load more in, even if just like every every stage race over four or five days had one, then you'd be in a position where you had a lot more. And then people would, riders and teams would both have to make the effort to get riders on those bikes and have the practice time and the change would come there. It's not going to be, you know, if you start putting loads and loads of time trials in the 2023 calendar, there will be a bit of a discrepancy because riders haven't been practicing so much, but then that would quickly change because you would have to readjust your your um, priorities. And you've seen it happen with the climbing, that the more climbing there's been in the World Tour calendar, the more and more riders are top level. It's not just like two or three really good climbers anymore. People prioritize different disciplines more when there is more of it. So I think it would be a bit of a process because there are so many riders that don't ride on their time trial bike, don't even own their own time trial bike, because why would you for the sake of two or three a year? But if that change came, that would then filter through, I think. I think if we look at, sorry to use this example, but a lot of the men's stage races and the big grand tours, the time trials can be a really decisive point in the overall result, and it's exciting. Um, it adds a really exciting element and yeah, I feel like that's really lacking. Um, and for the Tour de France in particular and the Giro previously in the Giro, it was, um, a big contributing factor to the overall. And I'm not talking about having just a mountain time trial, but a proper time trial. And I feel like this, this might be controversial because the women's tour had such an incredible finish this year with the bonus seconds playing such a big role, but the women's tour and time trialing in Great Britain and in general in the UK, it's such a big thing that I feel like of all of the stage races that the women's tour could benefit most from having a time trial. And it's also a race that doesn't always pull the top riders. So if you threw a time trial in there, you would get by, by having it, you would get riders like Ellen Van Dyke, Marlon Russo to target a race like that, which would be really cool to see. And like last year we had a time trial, we had time trial in the Giro Donna. We had a time trial in the Madrid challenge, but both were like mountain time trials. It was just like an uphill race. So it wasn't, it doesn't count really. I mean, it just, that, that kind of time trial is we don't need that. Like we need zero of that because all that does is just make it impossible for non-climbers to go for the general classification. Flat time trials are what we need. Flat, throw in some technical, like those are, yeah, all for it. 
also think because, um, well, we're all missing the TTT as well, or at least I am, because oh, I really I enjoy the time, TTT. time trials, yeah. 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 And I think with the introduction of now the mixed relay and the World Championships and potentially in the future Olympics, there is talk of it, they need to just include more time trialing. This is the UCI. I mean, it's, it, it's like such a... Um, such a historic part of cycling in general. So it's, and it, and it is in the men's a lot. So why don't the women have time trials? Is it because of the money? Because I seriously doubt that the UCI is like, well, women's teams don't have enough money. So we're not going to allow time tra- like, or races. I mean, I don't think that that's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that there's no time trials. It's a bummer. I would love to know the reasoning. Maybe Races think that the it gives an advantage to the time trialists, but I I doubt that people are thinking about it that hard. I bet the the team mechanics are loving the fact there aren't because For it's sure. just one less, well, a whole bunch of other bikes you don't have to carry around. Do you remember when there was a team time trial in the Tour of California, like uh, 2016, and they were just like, yeah, we're just going to do it Merck style, so no one has to fly with a time trial bike? Yeah. Yeah. Because the European teams were like, uh, no, <laughs> we're not flying all the way to the States with uh, road bikes and time trial bikes. Not <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, but it's an interesting conversation. I feel like we all agree. Amy's not said her, but she's, she's look, she's looking, she's looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking it in. I'm just, uh, just happy to be here. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. We'll allow it. All right. So let's hear a little bit from our audio diarists. We've got Leah Thomas, the newly crowned U.S. national TT champion, uh, Hannah Barnes. And uh, yeah, just just Hannah and Leah for the day. So let's hear from those two and we will move on to the second stage. Hi everyone, um, this is Leah Thomas writing for Trek Segafredo. Um, I am going to be sharing with you a little bit about my experience at the Giro this um, next 10 days, 10 stages. Uh, today, I just finished up massage. We had a short 4.8 kilometer prologue, um, which you would think is just like a quick little little event, but actually is um, one of the longer days, especially for the staff, but also for the riders. Um, we left the hotel around 10 a.m. this morning and got on our TT bikes and pre-rode the course. It was pretty straightforward. There were was a tighter right-hand turn, a swooping left turn, and a U-turn. And other than that, it was pretty much flat out. Um, along the coast here. So it was good to see see the course before it started. Um, but after we pre-rode that, um, the start times are so spread out that it really is a game of hurry up and wait. So I wasn't um, going to go race until one of the later riders. So um, I had a couple hours to just hang out in the bus and um, wait for the time to pass. And then um really got ready and got my head in the game to, to do my best prologue. Um, I'm not a huge prologue rider, but I find them really fun to, uh, try to give them a go. And I think one of the most 
interesting parts about a prologue is every single one I finished and I'm like, darn, I wish I could have a do-over. Um, I feel like I learn a lot each time I go. But this prologue was pretty special because I got to wear my new skin suit from Santini with the U.S. flag on it. And um, I was really proud of that time trial and just really honored to be able to to wear that suit. And so um, putting it on for the start was was a special moment for me um, and one that I will will keep close um overall uh the prologue was um interesting trek we did great as a team we got um four riders in the top 10 and maybe five in the top 12 i haven't seen the the full results but um we had a really strong showing um the wind definitely picked up in the second half which um was a little bit of an adventure but um we all did really great. So I think as a team, we're really excited to move forward into the, the other stages of the race. Um, tomorrow's a pretty flat stage and most likely will end in a bunch sprint. So hopefully we can get Elisa into good position and, and she can do her awesome sprinting from there. I'm really excited to be at this Giro. Um, it's been a long spring for me. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm coming back from a disc replacement surgery in my neck from February, and it's really put a hamper on my training, and um, it just has been a longer road back um, than expected with a lot of compensation injuries and, and just trying to get all those muscles working again. Um, I was really fortunate to have some good time at home with some good training, but I am now back in Europe without um, the physical therapy I'm I'm accustomed to. So for me, I'm a little bit apprehensive for this Giro mixed with the excitement because I think my Giro will be dependent on making sure I can handle my neck. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but regardless of how that is, I really look forward to um, supporting my team in any way possible and um, really looking forward to the next stages. Um, the Giro is always a little bit of an adventure with a lot of unknowns and in a certain way that makes this race really exciting. So it's really exciting to be here. I hope to share more of this journey with you. Um, some of the highs and the lows throughout the, the coming um, nine stages and just a little bit about the what's going on behind the scenes here so i hope you guys will listen over the next little bit and yeah thanks for following along yeah so yeah reporting back after the first row stage of the giro donna um yeah we've just done our first transfer to the hotel it's been a very twisty one um, which, yeah, we've all decided we never want to be a bus driver because he's, it's been pretty stressful for him. But, um, yeah, we'll be there soon, maybe in 20 minutes or so, and we can get to our rooms and get treatment and, uh, yeah, get ready for tomorrow's stage. But we've had a little bit of drama coming into the race. We've had a few broken bones, um, a few COVID cases as well, so the roster had to change quite a little bit coming into it. Um, and, unfortunately, our GC rider isn't here, so we've had to adapt to that quite a bit but we're just going to take each stage as it comes see opportunities that and just kind of go from there but yeah so far so good the weather's pretty nice suddenly is pretty cool place to be um it's quite brown it's quite hilly that we've just seen i'm pretty glad that we didn't do this in the race because i think we've been climbing in the bus now for an hour or so so yeah it's better that we did this in the bus i guess um 
just going to our next hotel. The first one was okay, um, pretty basic, but we've, we're lucky enough to have a team team chef with us so we didn't have to worry about the, the food in the buffet um, and he's treating us pretty well. We we're going to all fight over him when we have to leave and we all want to take him home. So yeah, it's been pretty good. He's spoiling us. All right, stage two was a sprint. It was just your classic sprint. What else is there to say about stage two? Does anyone have anything to say about stage two? What is there to say about any of the other stages? <laughs> Try well, right. It was a classic. Uh, the break went. Um, the team, I think Trek was the first one to really come to the front and then start reeling it in. And then it was Canyon and Jumbo Visma took over. And then Jumbo was actually... I think they were on the front with like over four kilometers to go full on the full train was on the front for, for Voss, but then they lost each other um, within, I don't know, the last two kilometers or something like that. So it's a question of, did they commit a little bit too early? Um, they don't have they... any experience really doing a lead out train Yemba Visma. They've not practiced that like in a race situation at all, but Voss is, Voss is so good at just surfing the wheels. Yeah. Does she really need a lead-out train? Like, she can hand Maybe over just... the lead-out train duties to Trek Segafredo and then just kind of sit on Balsamo's wheel, which just looking obviously at happened. the two sprint finishes we've had, I wouldn't say that there has been, you know, like um, Dupana or Skeldapriest or the real sprinty races, you've got all the full-on lead-out trains going. That's not what we've, at least I don't think we've really seen full commitment from a whole team to the lead-outs here in these two races because it's not the usual composition. If we look at DSM, usually it's everything behind the Rena Weebers, but they don't have all their usual riders there, like Flotcha Mackay and, um, yeah, Lorena's not there, uh, for example. So... It's, it's a different composition to what they're used to doing. And, like, for someone like Charlotte Cool, she's used to being the last lead-out woman. So now to be in the position where you're actually sprinting for the whim, it's a big change of mindset and also it's a different perceived effort um, because normally she's finishing her effort, say, with 100 to 50 metres to go, more likely 100. Um and the same goes for Georgia Baker, who has had opportunities to sprint, but she's been doing a fair bit of work for Alex Manley lately. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm just... It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? There's a lot of these, like, B sprinters, not not to... Um... Leave out women, almost. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I think maybe they're, they're going to grow into it over the next few days with more sprints, but but it seems like none of them... I mean, looking at Charlotte School as an example, okay, this is her chance to be the sprinter for DSM, but she's got like no lead out compared to what Lorena has because she's got no Pfeiffer and she's got no Charlotte School for herself. So she's kind of just going at it. But I think the DSM team is a little bit, I don't really know what they're focusing on here because they've basically got their women's tour team, but they've swapped out Lorena and Pfeiffer for Juliette Lebu and mm. someone else. Um, and so it's like, you kind of got a sprinty team. It's not a sprint team. It's not a climb team. Mm. What is going on here? And I think, I think Charlotte kind of, she's such a fast rider, but these days the lead out matters even more. And without, without even one person to kind of shepherd her through to the end, 
she's got real like no chance against Trek Segafredo. So I think she must be a little bit um, gutted about that. Like this is her one big chance, and it's not really looking um, as promising as it could have. She's got mm. um, Frances- Francesca. Com- mm. She's probably the best like option well not option like she's doing the best job for her to try but like yeah it's, there's no one to take her like right up to like the last minute but she's doing pretty well though considering yeah yeah like, for sure to get third and second like mm-hmm. basically just on her own like you wonder like if she did have a proper lead out like she'd be she'd be pretty fat like doing pretty well so and she's she's chipping away. So the next one she's mm-hmm. gonna win, right? She got third, she got second. Yeah. She's on the way up. Definitely. But now we can, if you want, we can talk about Elisa Longaborghini and, and her lead out. Cause it's been obviously she let out Balsamo for the win at the world championships. And she's she's done the lead out for the last lead out for both of the the last two stages. Stages one and two slash two mm. and three. And it's gone quite well for them. For someone who claims not to be a sprinter. It's amazing. At all, which maybe that's, maybe she's been practicing being last woman for Elisa and that's what got her that fast kind of. Thing is as well, as a GC rider, and we saw Anamit getting in the mix there too, quite often it's safer to be involved in the lead out out of the crack it's better to be exerting energy at the front and not risking crashing or any time gaps, which could happen due to anything that can happen in a sprint. That um, we've seen it before, where it's just, yeah, you know, it's it's also a good leg opener for them because quite often on these sprint stages, if we have a look at what's happened, they're just spinning in the bunch. So it's not the worst thing to go and do a couple of kilometers lead out. Um, open up the legs. It's it's not going to hurt them later in the race. Keep them safe and also contribute because, you know, if we look at um, uh, Emma Bjork, no, Norsgaard, um, Norsgaard. We're just going to call I mean, her Norsgaard. Emma Norsgaard. She said she she does she wants to keep Norsgaard on her Twitter. So okay, I'm, that's great. Yeah. We'll know. call her Norsgaard then. Yeah. Well, if we look at the sprint in stage two, stop. Sorry to jump from one. I don't think we're actually no defined. Like we don't have rules uh, on this podcast. <laughs> but um, that one I went back and watched again, and so Anamik was up there trying to help put um, or Bianca and Sierra was, I think, sweeping the wheel. But it was kind of confusing because you're thinking maybe she was going to be the sprinter for the day. But then it was not sprint. No, no. Like she is. Emma, she's not. She's no. she has a really good sprint. She's fast, but she's not a sprinter. She said she told me herself. She's like, okay, I don't yeah. understand why everyone calls me a sprinter. From the horse's mouth, then. Yeah. But that was a bit of a cluster because yeah, Norsgaard ended up on the front, looking around, backed off, got swamped a bit. Then, you know, actually Sierra was then on a good wheel, I think. And then she started looking around going, oh, what am I meant to do? And didn't even sprint herself. So that was a hot mess. Well, the interesting thing about Movistar is Anamik said this in a video on social media that they they have the same team that they've brought to the Giro that they'll bring to the tour because they haven't targeted a big race like this as a team. So 
they I, they might switch out like one rider or two riders, but they've brought the top team to both races to practice for incidents like this and like anything that might happen with Anamik chasing the general classification. Uh, they can, you know, reassess and figure things out before the Tour de France, which is really interesting because obviously you've got like a team like Movistar that's bringing both the same team to both. And then you've got a team like SD Works, which went for not their B team. I wouldn't classify anyone on SD Works as being a B team, but they they didn't bring their top, top, a couple of their top riders to to the Giro. So it's super interesting, but this is a, this is one of those moments that Movistar is going to look at and reassess and be like, "Hey, this is what we need to do differently for stages to come, but also mm. for the tour." I think um speaking about sprint trains missing key riders, they're missing Barbara Garishi because she's actually been really really good um as that last lead out woman and She's just fantastic at positioning her herself. She can get great results. And years ago, she was one of the best sprinters in the world when she was on Canyon Shram and before that, Lotchio Shram. Should we hear from Leia really quick and continue the conversation? Here's Leia Thomas from stage two. Hey everyone, this is Leia Thomas with Trek Segafredo. Um, here to tell you about stage two of the Giro. Um, and we just got to our hotel. Um, it's a beautiful hotel. We're right by the coast, um, partway up Sardinia. Um, and it's really special because today we got the stage win and have the pink jersey. So um, the stage was a pretty flat stage on um, a major, pretty big road um, from the south of Sardinia heading north. And our team tactic going in was if we needed to defend the, the bonus sprint partway through the stage, then to take the stage win um, to move Elisa into pink. Um, the race was, wasn't the most eventful race. Um, both Loretta and Amelie did a lot of work controlling the brake um, and keeping that in check and eventually reeling it in. Um, so they worked pretty hard and Lucinda and Elisa Blanco Borghini helped, um, give Elisa a really great lead out. And Elisa has just a spectacular sprint. and was able to take the win. So it was super exciting. Um, really, really great. And, uh, we look forward to celebrating tonight. Um, tomorrow is another stage that should be for a sprinter. Um, so hopefully we can increase the lead and, um, get another, get another stage win. You know, this is a long race and it just feels really good to start off on a positive note. Um, and to be able to take that momentum with us moving forward. I think having a, a, a true win under our belt allows us to be actually a little more aggressive um, and and take some chances because we're not just needing a, a win. And that's the most exciting way to race and the most fun way to race. So um, it should be a next a great couple days. Um, tomorrow might be an adventure after the stage we get transferred off of Sardinia back to the mainland and um, I'm still not sure if we are totally sure how we're doing that so um, 
typical Jiro fashion, it could be an adventure and, and I'll let you know all about it. But anyway, I hope you guys got a chance to watch the race, um, especially the last four or five K. It was pretty awesome. Uh, while we're at it, let's also hear from Neve. Hey, Neve here, and uh, we are two days into the Giro Donna now. Uh, yesterday was a short, fast, and uh, very hot prologue along the coast of uh, Cagliari. It's a few corners in there to make it technical. But uh, yeah, uh, TT's prologues, they speak for themselves. The strongest rider wins at the end of the day, and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah. Did what we did what we could. Uh, as for my team, Lotta came in fourth, was uh, pretty close. So, yeah, I think we were all gunning to try get her in pink today. That was the goal, anyway. Um, idea was to try and execute a good good lead out for her and get her those that time bonus at the, at the end. Um, but yeah, plans don't always work out, hey. And uh, I think I'm proud of the team. They they really uh, tried today, and unfortunately, Lotta just yeah maybe was not in the most ideal position in the end, and had to do a little bit too much work and couldn't have that real kick that we know she has. Um, but yeah, uh, plenty more days to come to get it right. Sorry, quick interlude there. Shara, our nutritionist and chef, just brought me a berry smoothie. Very nice. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so what was I saying anyway? Uh, today was today, and tomorrow's a new day. That's our saying a bit on this team. And yeah, it'll be another hot, fast day, I think, on uh, the island of Sardinia. And day three of our uh, 10 days of Girodona. So uh, yeah, excited and uh, still feeling good and ready to go so yeah see you tomorrow so i feel like we should talk about boss because she obviously lost the sprint against balsamo on stage two and then she reassessed came to stage three and she launched her sprint so early on stage three but it's that's the kind of effort that she has that balsamo doesn't have so she was able to to win from Balsamo's wheel, which was, she like set it up a split second earlier than Balsamo and just wound it up so that no one could beat her. But it was great. They it's chill. Boss. We like the cute noises. Leave them and just keep going. <laughs> it's ambiance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Boss is back. She's been obviously out after having COVID. She raced the nationals, but in a support role. And and she's she's back. Does this mean I'm going to come back and win a stage of the Giro Rosa? Sorry, the Giro Donna. have had COVID. Yeah. Unfortunately, Amy, a lot of people have had COVID. So I don't think that Shit. that's like a <laughs> side okay. effect of COVID is all of a sudden becoming a really good bike racer. <laughs> what if it is? What if I I've had COVID combo? three times. I'll just say and that. But you haven't entered a race since, have you? You might win. I have not. Touche. <laughs> For the record, I do not plan to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Don't plan to win a stage of the Giro. Just might happen. <laughs> might just rock up. Yeah. We it's like we maybe should have split it split the stages up a little differently for the pod, but because today's rest day, it like presented the perfect opportunity. But so far, there's not 
there isn't a ton to to take away from from the Giro Donna. Thirty? Did we mention thirty one stages? Yeah, mm. I feel mm-hmm. in her career she will get thirty five stage wins at the Giro Donna, and the whole Cav thing can just end the bin. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Although I bet LaFavre is just like floating this morning because now he can tell everyone to fuck off because Jakobsen won yesterday. We don't talk about it. It's fine. Let's That's not talk about it. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, what are you on about, please? What other race? Tilda's just in Copenhagen on holidays. Yeah. yeah. You know, the weather was gorgeous up there. Of course she went. Oh, it was not on <laughs> Friday. I was like, I hate my life. Yeah, I know. I did see that. And I did have a little giggle. (laughs) Also, my COVID brain, like I couldn't wrap my head yesterday around the fact, because it's the duo started a day before. Mm -hmm. And then I was watching the men's race yesterday, like, okay, this is stage three then. What happened yesterday though? And like, I couldn't figure out like, because it was a time trial as well. And I was like, what day is it? What stage is this? (laughs) Where am I? Anyway. Can I ask a question about the Giro? Yes. <laughs> what happened to Juliette Lebu yesterday? I'm really what confused by the results. Well, she's in last place. Oh, but it says only six seconds down. So was she relegated? Oh, I mean, it seems like because it. She must have been, yeah. Wonder what for. I don't remember her because I thought, oh my god, she's lost time. Did she love a bottle or something? Uh, maybe. But then, what's the hmm. point if you don't lose any time? Yeah, right. Mm. Also, there's been heaps of people like that have um, pulled out or not even started because of various things yeah. like COVID and crashes and whatnot. I'm really gutted for Anna Shackley. That was peak. Mm. Oh, That was indeed peak. What the hell is peak? Bad. <laughs> 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 Okay, that's, is that counter, like, that's like counterintuitive. Oh, yeah. You'd think peak would be like yeah. something really good, like oh yeah, yeah this is you would peak. Oh, is this like a, a young person thing or a British young person thing? Oh, I think a British thing, yeah. Latter, yes. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I'm I'm so a young, young person. <laughs> I actually am, thank you. Um, so much so that on Twitter, look at me using social media. Um, no, I found out that. What happened to Juliette Labu is that her DI2 was in went into crash mode with 2.8 k to go. Oh, so she's just no. mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. But because it was 2.8. She's within. Mm. She is within. Yeah. Oh. Well, then that's fine. Oh, I see. Um, Interesting. Weird. Oh, that's that. At least she didn't lose a minute and 40 like it looked like. It's resolved. Um, but yeah, Flirty Mackay got COVID, uh, which I, she's got like weeks to come back before the tour because I would assume that DSM. Big golf. Yeah. Um, and Lonica Unikin didn't start yesterday. I doubt that she would be on the SD works, but maybe, I don't know. We obviously don't know what their team is. I would assume mm-hmm. that they would put in kind of their veterans and Demi mm-hmm. uh, for that. So definitely not as bad as some of the men's races, but we are seeing some COVID positives. That's what happened to Fortune Mackay before the race. Yeah. Swapped her out for someone. No, she got it. Like, Oh, no, sorry. She didn't start, did she? She was a DNS. Who got swapped out? Yeah. Anna. Shackley. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah. Also, who else? No, I don't know. I went through all this yesterday, but that was yesterday and I've slept since then. Well, we have Sage 3 audio diaries from Hannah Barnes, Neat Fisher Black, and Leah Thomas. So let's hear from those three. Hi, everyone. Um, this is Leah Thomas from Trek Segafredo, um, coming to you from the Sardinia airport. Um, we just finished stage three, and um, in about an hour, we'll be flying. I don't even know where, but somewhere on mainland Italy and then take buses to the hotel um, to spend the night. Um, Our staff are all taking the ferry across with all the bikes, um, the buses, the trucks, and they'll arrive um, about where we are sometime around noon or one tomorrow. So we'll have a pretty relaxed morning and then go out and train the following afternoon. So um, that's what's going on now. Um, Before I talk about today's stage, um, we stayed at a beautiful place last night and had a really great dinner and were able to celebrate um, Elisa's win, which was just really, really special. She gave a great toast. um, And just what's so special about this group is their willingness to work hard for one another. And I think that produces great results. And Lisa's such a great sprinter. It's really great to be able to um, top it off. But on to today. Today was a really flat stage. It was 113K. Um, we started with an eight kilometer neutral up the side of a mountain, um, which it was nice. They made it very neutral. So it wasn't, wasn't hard and the views were spectacular. Um, The stage itself was pretty straightforward. Um, A group of eight went up the road and there were three chasers. They were all small teams. So our job was to um, control the break. Um, Our goal for the day was to get a stage win again and keep Elisa in pink. Um, We accomplished one of those two goals, uh, but um, Elisa did a really strong sprint and ended up in third on the day and we were able to keep the pink jersey. So, so that's really exciting. But, um, yeah, the break went up the road and Loretta and Amelie did a really good job of controlling that time gap and ultimately bringing the, pulling the break back, um, so that we could, uh, work for Elisa in the sprint. Um, my work was kind of the, 12k to 6k range kind of popping in when um things started to get hectic and making sure that the team was still in decent position until i couldn't do that anymore um and then lucinda and elisa longoberghini's job was to um really keep balsamo in in position so um yeah it was it was a hard day uh it was a really hot day, um, but overall, a decently successful day. Um, when everyone tries their best, you know, you can learn from it and do better next time um, and hope for more, but at the same time, you can't be, be too disappointed. You know, the peloton's full of strong riders, and sometimes you're not the strongest on the day. So um, I think we'll look back and, and try to figure out what we could do better and what we could do differently. Um, hats off to Voss for her win today, but ultimate, but like it was a strong team effort at the same same time. Um, 
so yeah, that's kind of kind of what happened today. Um, tomorrow, like I said, we have our our off day, um, and we'll. I'll let you know what that's all like tomorrow um, and maybe um, kind of tell you more about, about how I'm feeling and, and what I see for the upcoming rest of the drill. Uh, so we finished our final stage in Sardinia, uh, which was very nice. Uh, we had we started on a very nice beachfront, um, which I think they were just teasing us. Um, and then we had an 8.5 kilometer neutral that took us straight up up the climb and then we stopped there and then it they sent us uh, down the hill for 25k. So, yeah, it was a pretty interesting stage. Um, pretty fast, quite a lot more rolling, um, just as hot. But now we've just, yeah, we just got to the hotel. We've just flown um, to the mainland on a charter flight. Um, yeah, and then we're just looking forward to tomorrow's rest day. We'll wait until midday, I guess, when the, the trucks and all the other staff and equipment get here from their ferry ride overnight. And um, then we can just do a recon of the of the stage that we'll have on Monday. So yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, another fast, hectic stage with the sprint finish, which is pretty much predicted. But yeah, hopefully we're going into stages now that can, yeah, suit us a little bit better, look for breakaway opportunities and just have fun. It's a, it's a nice area to be in, so I'm looking forward to it. From day three of the Girodonna, our last day in Sardinia, and yeah, as I said, today was another, I mean, very hot day. Um, we started off with, a, I think, a 7K climb, uh, which was neutralized, uh, thankfully. But uh, yeah, that was a way to wake up the legs. And uh, I think going up that climb, uh, I think everyone was feeling it because it was uh, over 40 degrees, definitely. And, and we climbed from the beach, we went from the beach to, to the mountains. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, not so nice saying goodbye to the beach in the, in the 40 degree weather. But, uh, yeah, it was good to get stuck into the race. Um, yeah, for the rest of the race, it was, yeah, really fast. Um, we pretty much had... Yeah, sort of across headwind the whole way, but it wasn't too strong, so it didn't mix up the bunch too much. Um, so yeah, we sort of knew it was going to come down to a sprint. It was a pretty tricky finish. So yeah, we had our two, uh, two cyclocross stars, um, Christine and Blanca, um, there to make sure that we could deliver Lotta into a, into a good position. Um, yeah, it was a it was a messy final to be honest. I think four uh, k's uh, out, we had riders going the wrong way around roundabouts and things, and uh, yeah, I think it was not so clear. And I think a lot of people perhaps lost, lost out today. Um, there were some time gaps in the bunch too, which yeah, so maybe it affected GC a little bit. But the thing is, a few seconds here and there is not not going to play a big big role in things when it comes to the mountain stages so yeah that's okay but um yeah at the end of the day Voss won and I think for us Lotta got six um yeah it's uh, I think we did what we could and uh, yeah lot, it was a tricky finish as I say and then Lotta did what she could too but yeah um a nice victory for Voss and I think the pink stays with the leader so yeah on to a rest day and we're back to the mainland now um yeah, hopefully a nice easy day tomorrow and looking forward to it because uh, the next few days after that are going to be super hard by the looks of it. Well, 
I guess we're going to be seeing a lot of um, Balsamo versus Voss because in some of those more, what, ruler, punch, puncher, what is, what is puncher? Uh, yeah, ruler. Like, like Arden. fast, but like on the, yeah, short, steep climbs and sp- and is it? Sprint, I would Fuck say. Me, I don't know. Well, they're both really good at that. And we've got some stages that are coming up that could suit both of them when it's that reduced group finish. So we don't know how Charlotte can Charlotte climb. We're not we sure. We'll yet. See. Potentially. Is she like Weebers? Weebers can climb decently. I feel like she's more Weebers is okay. She can get over um some of the short, sharp stuff around Belgium. I guess. Charlotte has been with Bebus in like those women's tour stages where we were like, oh my God, Bebus is going to get dropped. And she wasn't. And Charlotte no, was there. because it so. was like a motorway bridge. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the thing that I'm, my conclusion from the two stages is that like the, the, the people who are meant to be pure sprinters aren't as fast as Voss and Balsamo. And Voss and Balsamo are going to be faster over even harder sprints than this. So mm-hmm. what's the point of everyone else being there? No What's the point of everyone else? Just <laughs> no, but Tilda's got a valid point. Like, it's going to be, we're probably going to see more Voss versus Balsamo. Mm. They could even take more than half of the, the stages between mm. the two of them. This, um, this, um, your, your point earlier in the season, Lauren, about Glota Kopecky and how her working on her climbing has really hindered her sprint. I mean, she obviously, she's, she's not a factor in these sprints. Not anymore. No. I feel like something's going on there, though, because she's normally she's normally pretty fast. Like, even yeah. this season, like, we've seen her, like, show that. Well, even, la- was it last year that she was going head-to-head in the Giro with with Voss, right? I feel, I feel like there's more to it than just... Yeah, because, like, she's just lacking that, I don't know. Also, though, what this proves is that Weber's is just a lit, like, just... Head and She's shoulders on another, she is above because, like, even so, about yesterday, like I was telling Sam, like, oh, like these, this is who was sprinting yesterday, and he's like, yeah, but that girl's not there, that one, Weebers, and I was like, yeah, no, and he was like, well, what about Norsgod? I was like, no, she was there, no, like, I was like, there's no one else that, like, she would have just carved them all. Maybe she should have come. Yeah. Now she's getting ready to just. Dominate on the shops, losing. Yeah, the, but so many spinners are doing both. But I think maybe you should. But yeah, I think if, if, like Abby says, like that first stage is the one. So she's not going to jeopardize anything for that, is she? Especially because mm. it's such like hallowed ground for sprinters in general. Yeah. And if you're like basically the, the women's peloton's only pure sprinter. I mean, this is jumping the gun a little bit, but I feel like Voss is perfectly set up to win that first stage of the Tour de France. Oh, wait, she's done it before, right? It's a yeah, hard 2014, sprint. she won on the Champs. The first one yeah. of the course, very fitting. The, the Champs-Élysées sprint is a really hard sprint. It's slightly uphill and it's an awful road. It's not... Right. I, this is my fault. This is my fault for bringing it up, but we are really jumping the gun. So <laughs> before we get yeah, completely lads, derailed tangent, eh? to talk about the Tour de France time, which is not for a couple more weeks... But on the Lorena Weebus conversation, I wonder if like having, I mean, it's not like you need the practice when you're as good as Voss and Bosmo at, at sprints and stuff. But I wonder if their approach to the Tour de France Femme and having 
um, these, these days of being practicing and getting better and better every time are going to help them against Weebus because obviously like you have to figure out how to beat her. I think if your lead out needs work, mm-hmm. this is a good, then yeah. Yeah, I agree. But they haven't brought the full on lead out trains, have they? Twitter. I, th- I feel like Trek's team here is like 80% of the team that will go like, or maybe 50%. You're, you're missing. But like, Yeah. You're, they're missing like Audrey, Ellen, and Ellen. Yeah, Audrey, and Ellen. Both of both of which would be pretty good in a lead out, of course. Mm. But anyway, all right. So we'll be back after stage seven. Before then, we've got stage four and five are both hilly-ish. Stage four is like hilly with a punchy climb to the to the finish. So a really, actually, a lot of Capecchi might win that stage um we'll see stage five is there's hilly gradual climbing near the end and then it's most likely going to be a reduced bunch sprint stage six is a circuit with a punchy climb and a climb slash short descent to the line and stage seven is a mountaintop average 7.9 7.8 percent max with 13.5 percent weight average 7.8 percent gradient with a maximum of 13.5 and the climb is like nine kilometers long. So that will be the first real general classification day of the race. Although stage six looks pretty exciting as well. So we'll be back then. We will sign off with some Gracie Elvin. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Have a great four days. Bonjour, this is Gracie here coming to you from Denmark on the Tour de France Circus. Um, I've been very much immersed in my new role in the media team with SBS, feeling much like a rookie. I'm the intern. Uh, feels like back in the day, I used to have a YouTube channel called The Rookie Roadie back in my early racing days. I think you can still find it on YouTube if you want a bit of a pre-COVID nostalgia, but everything's going well. I've been trying to keep up to date with the Giro coverage uh, stage one, uh, Kristen Faulkner, I think she's, yeah, the, the latest star, um, probably annoys a few people because she's so green to do so well in a prologue. It's, it's such a technical discipline and for someone with relatively little skills, it's super impressive that she can still win. She's giving me Evelyn Stevens vibes, I think. Uh, stage two, it was really cool to see the Trek lead out, finally nail it with Balsamo up for the win, just getting the best of Mariana Voss. So very exciting finale there. And yeah, like I said, really good to see Trek just get it together a little bit more. We haven't seen them, you know, fully nail that lead out for a little while. And stage three, very happy to see uh, the greatest of all time, Mariana Voss, get another stage win. Um, Even though she's won so many, I never get sick of her winning. And it's really nice to see her being so gracious afterwards with the fans and giving biddens to to little uh, children on the side. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to following more of the Giro where I can while I'm on location at the Tour de France, but uh, missing the, the freewheeling ladies and uh, hopefully back on the pod soon. But yeah, very busy here. So I'm just, just going with the flow. So thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.